Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs, the very first chapter of the book of Proverbs. We'll read beginning at verse number 20 and read down through the remainder of the chapter. So follow us carefully in your Bible as we read uh, this from God's inspired word. Proverbs 1 and beginning our reading at verse 20. If you have found the place, follow us as we read the scripture. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and you have refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded but you have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. There are four or five particular words that I could use that I think would give us a workable, memorable outline of the verses we have just read. Let me give those five things to you, and if you will, endeavor to remember them. In the very first place, there is the, the caller to be evidenced. The caller. The second thing you'll notice in these verses is the call itself. And thirdly, there is the revelation of three classes of people to whom this call is so clearly made. In the fourth place, there is unveiled to us the counsel. The counsel that God and his wisdom would give to men. And fifthly, there is tragically the unveiling of an awful calamity. 
So these five words, I think, will help us to remember the passage that we have read and that we'll consider together. The caller, the call, the classes, the counsel, and then the finality, the calamity. Let's look at these truths as they are unveiled to us in this very wonderful, instructive book called the Book of Proverbs. Someone has divided the Book of Proverbs into simply two divisions. The first division is chapter 1 down through chapter 9, which unveils to us wisdom's way. The second division is from chapter 10 all the way through chapter 31, which gives to us wisdom's words. So what we have are two things relative to wisdom. That is, the way of wisdom and the word of wisdom. Many a Christian has made it a definite part of his daily reading of the Bible to read a portion of the book of Proverbs along with what other passage he may be reading or studying in the Bible. I recommend that. The book of Proverbs indeed is a book that gives wisdom, practical wisdom on the everyday affairs of life. Yet someone says, what is uh, wisdom? Wisdom, uh, as far as I can distinguish and discern, uh, is uh, the very ability uh, to walk in the practice of uh, the precepts of God. That's wisdom. To walk or to practice in our life the precepts that are revealed in the Word of God. Now, could I say this? It is utterly futile and utterly foolish for one who has never been converted, one who has never been saved, to try to live this sanctified life of practical Christian living that is unveiled and revealed in the book of Proverbs. Now, there are a lot of people who would like to be the kind of person that the Proverbs reveal. But yet it is utterly impossible apart from the experience of new life being imparted into a man's spirit by regeneration, or could I say, by reason of the new birth. I know a lot of people who admire the book of Proverbs and they, they, they uh, give a nod to what it says. But yet they, yet they find it seemingly impossible to make application of the wisdom that is unveiled in the book of Proverbs. I was up in Pennsylvania. All you Pennsylvania folks will perk up when I say that word. I was up in Pennsylvania at the Hers Potato Chip Company. Any of you Pennsylvania folks remember Hers? Do you, Nelson? You remember that? Some of the best in the world. But Mr. Her provides every visitor that comes to his plant, tours his plant, a little copy of the book of Proverbs. Now that's a wonderful gesture. But I thought as I received one from uh, that particular industry, 
I thought yet how futile it is for people who have never had a new birth, never been made anew in Christ, to try to live by the Proverbs and the wisdom that is revealed here. Now let me point out to you, first of all, the caller in these verses. Now this will make the passage come alive and mean so much more to us. Many a theologian and commentator simply says that the word wisdom is a word that is personified, that is made a person. Notice that wisdom is referred to as her, as she, and so forth. But I think you'll find as you come to the New Testament that wisdom is a far greater thing than just a philosophical personification or a, a group of terms or words. Let me ask you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and read with me verse 24. And I think these verses, after you look at this verse, the verses here that we have read in Proverbs will mean far more to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Look at verse 24, and the verse reads like this. I'll give you a moment to find it, and it says, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the, tell me the rest, the wisdom of God. Who is the wisdom of God? None other than Christ, the incarnate God, Christ Jesus, the Messiah. And thus you find here, as you read this passage of the Proverbs, that in reality it is Christ calling out to men. He then is the divine caller. So, wisdom, but watch this. In the 30th verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the scripture also says this, that he that is Jesus Christ is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. That is, he is wisdom, and he has made unto us that wisdom. Again, I've defined wisdom often in my messages here, if you'll recall. I hope you do. I have often defined wisdom as seeing life through the eyes of God. Looking at life and the events and the circumstances of life, the events of life, looking at them through the eyes of God. But oh, how we fail so often in that area. We see the events and the circumstances of life only through our human eyes. No wonder we come up short. Oh, but God went in His Word, and not only in this book of Proverbs, but throughout the Word of God, the Old and the New Testament, you learn how God looks at things on this earth. And how he looks at the events in your life, the circumstance of your life. Oh, what greater peace you and I as even believers would have 
if we would begin to look at the events in life and the conditions, the circumstances in life, if we'd begin to look at them through the eyes of God. No wonder Paul could write that blessed comforting verse of Romans 8, 28 and say that for we know that all things, well, that includes everything, doesn't it? We know that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and to them who are the called according to His purpose. That's seeing events in life through the eyes of God. You and I would not become so full of despair and would not feel the terrible sting of disappointment in life so much if we would realize that God orders our life. This one who in Proverbs 1 is the caller. So he calls unto men wisdom. Verse 20 of Proverbs 1. Wisdom crieth without and uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates in the city. She uttereth her word. It seems to say to me that if Christ is wisdom, then he calls to all men. It is a universal call to salvation. Our Lord calls all men. It is a whosoever will call. And if any man will come to Christ, if he wants to be saved, I promise you he can be saved. The only person that cannot be saved is the person who does not want to be saved. And yet the Lord is the one who puts that want to in the heart, isn't he? He is the one who instills faith to believe on him. And yet our Lord's call is to all men. Remember what Peter said. God who will have all men to be saved. Again, Peter says it like this. That he is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. My friend, listen to me carefully. Especially if you've never been born again. If you die and go to hell, it will not be because God wants you there, but rather because you have made a choice in your life. Maybe you have made that choice out of pride, out of self-will, but you have made a choice to reject Christ who is the only way and the only door to heaven. So wisdom's who is the caller? None other than our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now the call goes forth in the form of a reproof. And the word of God is told, we are told that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine. For what else? For reproof. In other words, the Word of God is given for 
many different reasons, but one of the reasons is that God may reprove us. And bud, we need to be reproved, don't we? Our utter depravity, our wrong choices, our ignorance of His will, our ignoring of God, our following of our own selfish pride, uh, prideful ways. Uh, we need to be reproved. The drunkard needs to be reproved. The gambler, the covetous man, the immoral, the profane, the vulgar, the disobedient, the rebellious. We need to be reproved and the Word of God will do that. That's the reason I believe everybody ought to go to an old-fashioned, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Now, you get to hide ripped off of you every once in a while around here, don't you? And that's good for us. You know, even a snake crawls better when he gets out of that old skin and leaves it behind. And you and I, oh, how we need, I need for God to reprove me. For I am blind in many areas of my life. I do not see in all ways the wrong in my life and the evil choices in life. But God's Word reproves me. And so wisdom, the Word of God, God in Christ is calling forth and reproving us. And the call is one of reproof. Which reproof leads to what? repentance. This book is a book that is filled with the message of repentance. Now modern men don't like to hear that. Some old, old father of the church years ago said, if you would preach repentance, pledge your neck to the chopping block. Why? People don't like to hear that. People don't want to be told that they need to repent. You know what that means? It means to have a change of attitude, a change of mind, a change of direction. And listen, when a fella gets converted, uh, that is, when he has come to that point of repentance, I'll promise you uh, he is heading uh, in a different direction. He'll have different attitudes. He'll have different loves. He'll have different likes. He'll seek for different company. Gets tired of that cussing, dirty joke-telling crowd. He gets tired of the drinking crowd, the dope crowd, the immoral crowd. He gets tired of that, and, and, and he turns to the Savior, and God gives him a new direction in life. I said earlier in the service, ever since the Lord saved me, I've been headed for heaven every day since. I mean every day. I'm headed in a different direction. Now, a lot of folks want to live like hell and go to heaven when they die. Listen, one thing for sure, you don't get to heaven headed for hell. If you're headed in that direction, you're heading the wrong direction. The Lord wants a turnaround. Repent and accept your repent. Jesus said, you shall likewise has there ever come a turnaround point in your life? 
I'm not all this. You may have never been a drunkard, may have never been a doper, never been sexually immoral. You may have never stolen. You may not have done all these things. But listen, when you really get born again, there will be a different life. A change will come in your life. Wisdom calls in a way of reproof that men may repent, that there may come as a result a righteousness in one's life. Now, a lot of folks, a lot of folks want to live a sanctified life, and they think if I obey these words of wisdom, if I obey the words of the commandments, then uh, I'll be righteous and holy in the eyes of God. Not so. By the deeds of the law, Paul said, no man can be justified. But you see, here's the order. It is first justification. Then it is sanctification. It is not reverse sanctification and then justification. That is, if you live a good enough life and a decent enough life, a pure enough life, then God will justify you. Oh, no. It's just the opposite. First, we're justified through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He becomes our Savior. He becomes our life. He becomes our wisdom. And it is Christ living through us that produces a righteous, holy kind of life. Are you all with me? Some of you act like you've been shot at already. Now wake up. Some look like you like a new calf looking at a newborn door. I hope you know what I'm talking about. You're welcome. Y'all look happy enough for us to take another offering, huh? Shall we? I thought you'd wake up then. Let me ask you to notice carefully. The caller is who? Wisdom, Christ. The called are these that are mentioned here. Now he definitely singles out three classes of people. And he calls to them. Notice what he says in verse number 22. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. All these, to use a more modern English word, these are the oblivious ones. That is, uh, they are often morally irresponsible without any discernment that what they're doing is contrary to the law of God. They're likely, the simple one is likely to follow influences that, that are worse than they are. He follows any influences out there. The crowd smokes pot, he smokes pot. The crowd buys lottery tickets, he buys lottery tickets. The crowd drinks, he drinks. They cuss, he cusses. Goes to the flop house in the red light district, he goes there too. That's the simple one. He's letting others influence his life for evil and for, and for all. A simple one in this terminology of the scripture speaks of those who tend to be ignorant 
are blind to the value or danger of their own soul. They have no sense of the value of the soul. They feel like the only thing that's valuable is this outward part, the material, the property, the possession. They feel like that's, now listen, the Lord says, that's a simple fellow. We're a simple one when we're letting the world influence us and when we're not listening to what God says and following the influence of His Spirit and when we are ignorant to the value of our own soul. You know what Jesus said? What is a man profited, Jesus? What's he gained? If he gains the whole world and loses his soul, what in the world is a man? You think he? You think a man, if he gained all the wealth in this world, could spend one dime of it in hell? <laughs> Not even currency. The devil and demon laugh at men who, in their simple, their simple thinking and life, have placed little value on the souls of men. They choose to be spiritually insensitive. There is no sensitivity to the things of the spirit, the spiritual world. It's all the material, all the physical. So wisdom, our Lord Jesus asked, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? The simple ones spend their time living life with no conscious thought about life to come reason I call them the oblivious. They are oblivious to the reality of eternity. Hey, listen. You're going to live on somewhere forever. When your carcass kicks out and we bury you in the graveyard, that's not all there is to you. You're going to live somewhere. And how foolish, we take out insurance for everything on this earth, materially, our house, our health, our home, all of this. But we never make any preparation for eternity and for the never dying part of man. To these careless ones then, the call comes as a wake-up call. The Lord Jesus called you simple ones. How long would you love and see, love has with it uh, the, uh, the, uh, Im, uh, the, the idea of choice. We choose to love. <laughs> well, I did fail in love. There's no such thing as that. You fell in lust, but you didn't fell, fall in love. You can fall in love. You can fall out of love. Love is a choice. Love chooses to love in spite of fault failure, whatever. That's the way the Lord loves us. He loves us in spite of ourselves, in spite of who we are. We make a choice. I'm glad Miss Pat made a choice 40-something years ago, and in spite of all my orneriness, in spite of all of my <laughs> difficult ways, she still loves me. God bless her. Y'all pray for her. The whole story is it's a choice, a choice we choose. I'm not the handsome fellow I used to be, am I? Oh, no. She's blind, too. 
But I'm, I'm not the fella. I used to have hair. I was young, robust. Now I'm bald-headed, loud-mouthed, pot-bellied, and shaky. I want to tell you, really, there's been a lot of change. But this gal made a choice. And I'm glad God made a choice. And you fellas right here this morning, as ugly as we are, we ought to jump up and down and say, thank God for a woman that chose to love me. You women do. Boy, we'd have a shouting time around here, wouldn't we? If everybody really realized love is a choice. And so here these careless ones, they get a call to wait. How long will you choose this way of life, the Lord said? When are you going to wake up? When are you going to realize that your soul is more valuable and important than all this world can offer you? But notice also his call is directed to those who I'd call the obdurate. That is, the scorner. The scorner. The scorner has hardened himself against God. He is stubbornly impenitent. I mean, he's, he's just, he's contrary. He's, he grits his teeth toward God and toward the Word of God. He has no fear of God, no remorse for his sin. He defies the gospel and he delights in the condition and the conduct of others who are scorners as well. Happy is the man, Psalm 1 says, that sitteth not in the seat of the scorner. A scorner then is one who manifests his defiance and his hatred and his disregard for God. But isn't it amazing that the Lord would call even the scorner? I mean, God loves even the scorner. That fellow who gets out there and shakes his fist by the life he lives and by the rebellion of his life and the disobedience of his life, he shakes his fist at God and God says, I love you and I want you to turn around. I want you to have a change so you can get the most out of life that I intended for. None of that, but he moves to another class, and yet this is a summary of the two. He said, uh, notice verse 22, and fools hate knowledge. How long will you go on hating and rejecting knowledge? A fool, a fool prefers the way of least resistance. I mean, he doesn't want any resistance what he's doing. Don't mess with me. I've got my own plans. I don't care what God says. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care about that. I've got my own way. In other words, he avoids whatever would cause him any kind of spiritual concern. He avoids that. He don't want that. I don't even want to think about it. Don't even talk to me. Leave me alone. That's the fool. Yet God said, I'm going to give you your desire. You will be filled with your own devices. Go ahead, you've made a choice. 
And you've laughed at me and you've laughed at my word. But ladies and gentlemen, I've got to close with this. Don't have time to develop all of it. But there will come a calamity. And the Lord said, you've laughed at me and my word. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. I know a lot of modern translators come along and try to change that. And they've come out, built up a kind of an image of a God who can damn no one and who condemns no one and there is no hell. And certainly God wouldn't laugh at a fella. Read again. He said, I'll laugh when your calamity comes. I'll mock when your fear comes. Now, brother, one of these days the table's going to be turned. One of these days, the shoe is going to be on the other foot. You reject Christ, you ignore, you despise his word. Now, one of these days, the table's going to turn. God is a holy God. We have made such a mamby-pamby, sissy kind of being out of a sovereign, powerful God. We have no respect for. But if you read about the God of this book, hey, he is a God of judgment as well as a God of mercy and salvation. He'll save those who come to him. He'll bestow mercy upon those who bow before him. He'll give grace to them and give to them his spirit. That's what he said right here. I'll pour out my spirit upon you. The Lord will give you the strength that you need to be what you want to be and do what you ought to do. There will be no excuse when we stand before the Almighty and say, Lord, I just didn't know, you know, or I wasn't able to. Oh, the Lord will say, but I provided a means whereby by my Holy Spirit within the believer, you could be what you ought to be and do what you ought to do. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ calls. He's the caller. He gives a call to those who are called. Even the scorner, the simple one, the fool, he calls. Now the Bible said, even though a man be a fool, a wayfaring man, he shall not err to enter in this way. And a man may be fool, and how many a person has admitted and I look back at my life before I got saved and I've said often, oh, what a fool I was. How foolish I was to leave him out of my life. I'm glad he helped me to see it before it's too late. Then there is that provision God gives to you through simple faith to help you live the kind of life God had to have you live. What a crown, what a blessedness to know that God can help and live through us. Wisdom's calling. Have you been foolish in your life? Have you foolishly just kept saying, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to start being faithful to the Lord. I'm going to start being uh, in church. I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start praying. Oh, listen, 
Don't be foolish and just say, I'm going to. Right here this morning, determine with God's grace that you'll answer that call of wisdom. Do it now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. Do it today. That's what God's saying. Tomorrow, you have no promise of. But right this moment, God's giving you his promise that if you'll come to him, he will in no wise cast you out. Let's stand together, please.